Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Thank you so much, Pastor Dan. What an amazing atmosphere to be able to step up here this morning and to deliver the Word of God. I want to say I'm grateful to each of you for joining us here in person and also joining us online. Uh, if you missed last week, I would encourage you to go back on Crosspoint's Facebook page and find the video of that or find us on YouTube or uh, on Spotify and listen to the previous week's messages. This morning, I want to talk to you about something that I'm super passionate about. And one of the reasons why I'm super passionate about it is because God is super passionate about it. And so I hope that at the end of this message today that you would realize and you would see the heart that God has uh, for this subject. And I'll I'll tell you that in preparation for the message uh, on Wednesday, I really felt like the Holy Spirit just downloaded this word into my heart for us today. And so what a tremendous atmosphere that the worship team has set for us. Thank you for the hunger that you've come today to worship God and to hear from his word. And I just believe that by the time the end of this message is over, that it's going to change our lives. I shared in the first service, and I'll share it again right now, and I shared it during our prayer time at 8 o'clock. We have pre-service prayer at 8, where we come together and we pray, and we share different needs. And I said uh, to those who were here this morning, I said, this morning I'm going to be preaching about missions and God's heart for every person at all times in every nation. And I said, this is one of the most generous, missions-hearted churches that I've ever been a part of. I say that with all sincerity. And so this morning we celebrated that in prayer. And I said, but I believe that this message that the Holy Spirit has given for this morning has the potential for us to take something that's already great and elevate it to a greater level. And so as we recognize the heart that God has for everybody, then we'll see that. So uh, God is passionate about all people, and guess what, that includes you. And I need you to hear this this morning, that God's love for you is not at the exclusion of somebody else. His love for you is not at the exclusion of somebody else. He can and does love all people at all times from every nation. When you came in this morning, you were handed a booklet of our Kingdom Builders goal for 2022. Kingdom Builders is our avenue for generous, above-the-tithe giving to fund global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. And for those of you who are like, oh, Lord, another message about money, I'm just telling you this message is not about money. So I hope that this message inspires us to give sacrificially to missions, but that's not what the point of this message is today. Instead, I want to focus on the why uh, We talk about missions so much and why we do Kingdom Builders. We set out on a journey two years ago to give more to global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders than we ever have. And I'll just tell you, the last two years, we were able to give over $560,000 to fund those three areas for the glory of God. For those of you who weren't born yesterday, you have witnessed the cultural landscape of the United States and our world change drastically. There's been a push in society towards cultural relativism and personal truth. There's been a shift from believing in absolute truth to the idea that truth is relative. 
At some point, there was a shift from God is truth to what is true for me might not be true for others. And I'm seeing a new shift that's taken place that I want to talk about in just a few moments. The history of the United States is far from perfect, but for much of our history, there has been a desire from the beginning to be based on Judeo-Christian values. And so when trying to determine what is true, it was put up against the word of God to determine morality, the definition and standard of right and wrong. Our basis of morality did not come from within, it came from the Bible. And I'll just tell you that as a church, collectively, this is still our, 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 uh, uh, where we believe. This is still where we land, is that God is truth. We believe that there is an absolute truth, and his name is Jesus. Our basis of morality, our ability to discern right from wrong, comes from him. So culturally, there was the shift that took place about 20 years ago. My wife and I were serving as youth pastors in Des Moines, and we started hearing authors and speakers begin to talk about postmodernism and cultural relativity, and we're like, oh, whatever. You know, that's not happening here. They're talking about what's happening in Europe and in other places. And then if you open up your eyes, you will see that it's taking place right here in front of us. In fact, it was this ideology of look within, and whatever is true for you is fine, and whatever is true for me is fine, and we just embrace everything, and we just coexist. And this philosophy led some to abandon cultural norms and to define and embrace their own truth. The phrase, speak your truth, has become quite popular and comes directly from this brand of thinking. Looking back, it's clear to see that uh, this seemed to be an effort to be all accepting of everything. There are a number of issues with this line of thinking. Number one, have you seen how messed up people are? Including you. Including you. For real, there's not a single one of us that's anywhere close to perfection that should be personally defining morality, the difference between what's right and what's wrong. It's terrifying, yet this is what's happened, and look what it's led to. It's led from primary worship of God to idol worship. And some of you are like, well, this is America. We don't have idol worship here. I beg to differ. Idolatry can take many forms. When my wife and I served in India, Hinduism is the major religion, and there are literally hundreds of millions of gods. And so you'll drive by uh, very elaborate temples with these gods on the outside, and idolatry is blatant, and it's obvious there. And I'll just tell you that it's just as prevalent here, it's just a little more subtle. And so it shows up in, in ways like uh, academics, or sports, or money, or success, or politics, or fame, or work, or social media, or entertainment, or pleasure, or hobbies, and on and on the list goes. And here's how idolatry is defined. It's the blind or excessive devotion to something. The blind or excessive devotion to something. The idea of what's true for you is not true for everyone has led to all forms of immorality being celebrated. And why wouldn't it when the primary mantra of the day that we live in is if it feels good, yeah, it's horrible. In all kinds of areas beyond the two hot topics of homosexuality and abortion, evil is called good and good evil. Those are two areas that receive so much focus, yet the perversion of sexual immorality is far more reaching and devastating than this. And why wouldn't it be when truth is defined from within? 
And so I've seen this shift from a primarily Christian culture with traditional Judeo-Christian values where God defines truth to this postmodern shift where truth is relative and defined individually from within. And I would propose to you that there's been a new shift that's happened. I've not been able to read any books on this. I've not heard anybody speak on this. So I don't have the academic language to use here this morning to describe it. But here's what I'll say. The new shift that I'm seeing is from God is truth to your truth or my truth, it's all good, now to my truth is the truth. Because I've looked within, and if it's true for me, then it better be true for you. And so there's been this literal shift from God is truth to let's accept all things as truth and live in harmony to this militant, if you don't accept my truth, then you are the worst of humanity. And just look at the confusion and division and destruction that this has caused. And so seriously, look around. Everybody has an opinion about everything. And so in those opinions, if defining truth is that, then it just, oh, it just keeps going. And so if this was a sociological experiment to see if humans can be God, we have failed miserably. Theologically, In all of this, the shift has been from God is the only way to heaven to all roads lead to heaven. And the term for this is universalism. It's a belief that everyone will make it to heaven and no one will go to hell. And I'll just tell you that the Bible stands in direct opposition to universalism. And what the Bible stands for is the universality of God's love, that God loves everybody and wants everyone to be saved that he's provided salvation for everybody, but only those who believe in and accept Jesus will be saved. And so while there may have been a shift shift culturally in these areas that we've been talking about, I still believe that God is truth and he defines what's true. And I would personally rather look to the creator of the universe and his sinless perfect son who laid down his life for me to define truth instead of an individual, including myself. So with that said, how do we discover God's truth? I'm glad you asked. We can look to the Bible. And so this morning, we're gonna look at some verses that speak for the universality of God's love and against universalism. And where we're gonna start this morning is with a very familiar passage, John chapter three, verse number 16 through 18. I hope that you're taking notes. Honestly, like it's a lot this morning and I know this is gonna be a very heavy message. Uh, it was in first service, you could just look out and see as it was sitting on people there. So I would encourage you to take some notes and reflect on this later. But John chapter three, verse number 16 through 18 is one of the most quoted scriptures, right? Even people who aren't followers of Jesus can quote to you John chapter three, verse number 16. But I want us to go a little further beyond chapter three, verse 16, all the way through three eighteen, this morning. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. So again, John chapter three, verse number 16 is one of the most quoted scriptures, even by people outside the church. And as I was looking this week at these verses, I saw something that I've not necessarily seen before, and it's this. Obviously, we see the motivation in John chapter 3, 16, for God so loved, 
right? He loved the world. That's why he did it. He still loves the world. And in John chapter 3, the end of verse 16 and 17, we see the purpose to save and to not condemn. So watch this. Oftentimes, people will quote John chapter 3, 16 to talk about the love of God. Occasionally, they'll tack on John chapter 3, verse number 17. But I have never heard anybody ever tack on verse number 18. And as we consider these ideas of universalism versus the universality of God's love, chapter 3, verse number 18 says this. Those who have believed are not condemned. But those who have not believed are already condemned. Let's continue. In John chapter 3, verse number 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John chapter 10, verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. Here's what I'll say to us. If Jesus was for universalism, he would have said, everybody is my sheep, and everybody is in my flock. But instead, he says, there are some who are outside the flock that I need to bring in also. Matthew chapter seven, verse number 13, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. These statements from Jesus are quite contrary to the idea that all roads lead to heaven. And John chapter 14 verse number 6 solidifies this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, the book of Revelation, for some, is an intimidating book, but I want us to look at just a few verses this morning that address this as well from Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If God is real, if he defines truth, if his word is true, then what we see is this, that God's love for all people is great. And he desires for all to spend an eternity with him in heaven. But only those whose names are written in the book of life are gonna make it. How do we get our names in the book of life? The Bible tells us that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be saved. And Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. This is the good news of the gospel. The bad news is if God is real, 
If he defines truth, if his word is true, then those who have not confessed Jesus as Lord, whose names are not found in the book of life, will be thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. Two very different outcomes. And I would propose to you this morning that God is real. He does define truth. And his word is true. And as such, there must be a sense of urgency within everyone who identifies as a follower of Jesus to share the message of the gospel with everyone. This is the why behind Kingdom Builders. This is why we consistently talk about Kingdom Builders every single week and why we won't stop. We'll continue to cast the vision. I will unapologetically every single Sunday stand up here and talk to you about the financial need of global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders because God is real. He determines truth and his word is true. We have a core conviction as a church that Acts chapter one, verse number eight was just as much for the early church as it is for us today. And here's what it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If Jesus were writing this verse for us today, I think he would say you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in the Cedar Valley. You'll be my witnesses in the United States and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So what are we doing about it? Well, we have this amazing church it's a beachhead in this community that will not stop until the 12,000 people within a 10-mile radius of our church who don't go to church start going to church, and then we expand our boundaries even bigger until Jesus comes back, right? That's what we're going to be about as business. And so we're going to do all that we can locally to be part and to be the church. And so within Kingdom Builders, there are three different categories, global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders. So the first one that I'm going to talk about is local church expansion. We fund outreach to our community with this, and we help with tangible needs of the most vulnerable in our community. We help with church plants because we believe that every community deserves a healthy expression of the kingdom of God. We've remodeled and provided free of charge a room on the third floor for Alternatives Pregnancy Center to have a satellite location here in our community so that when women find themselves with an unexpected pregnancy, that a different option besides abortion could be presented to them. We support several missionaries who are working with inside of this state with specific groups of people, and we recognize that our community and our nation are far from perfect. And so as we talk about global missions in a few moments, we, we recognize that, that the rest of the world and America are not perfect. And so we're not saying, let's look at the imperfections over there and fix it. Instead, we're saying, look, we got plenty of work to do here. And so that's what the church is going to do. But we're also going to be a part of seeing healing take place and brokenness uh, healed uh, locally and globally. And so as we look at the work of church, one demographic that we've prioritized from the inception of our church nearly eight years ago is the next generation. And I'll just tell you that I'm so grateful to pastor a church that not one time in the last eight years has an older generation come to me and said, I would really, really prefer that you start doing it my way and the way we did it back then, and if you don't, then I'm going to leave. I'm just telling you not one time. Instead, all I've heard from the older generation, which now starts to include me, 
which is just weird, uh, to go from being the youngest at the table to now being the oldest at the table in some of our meetings is just crazy. But to realize that from the inception, for the last eight years, there have been the older generation who has leveraged their influence for the next generation. I'm just telling you, I love it. And so we have a second category in Kingdom Builders called Future Christian Leaders. And it's so strategic for us to invest, invest in the next generation. They are currently world changers and will continue to change the world. Amen? Hey, listen, I can't set up the church like that to say we are all about the next generation and then we get to a point where all of us can celebrate the fact that we're part of the next generation and there's just a little bit of clapping. Okay, so, so I need all of us to communicate to the youngest in the room that we value them and believe that they're world changers. And so I'm just gonna say it again. Oh, no, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait. I'm gonna let you prepare, right? The next generation are already world changers and they are going to continue to change the world. Amen. And for those of you who are part of the next generation, they just didn't catch it the first time. They meant it, uh, right? We, we believe in you. We fund ministries like Chi Alpha, a spirit-filled outreach onto secular colleges and universities. We support missionaries who are literally preaching the gospel on, cam- on the campuses of Drake, the University of Northern Iowa, Iowa State, and ISU and Minot State. College students are coming to know Jesus on secular colleges and universities because of your generous, above the tithe, kingdom builders giving. So I had finished up this message on Wednesday and I received this email from Chance Hall. Chance and Alyssa Hall were part of our staff for a number of years. He, is, he was leading the Chi Alpha at Upper Iowa University and his wife was our children's pastor, Alyssa was our children's pastor. And so he sent out this email update which the timing of it was just unreal. Here's what he says. It was a busy Sunday morning at Journey Church. So many new people to meet, kids to get to class, and places to serve. This Sunday was different, though. Some of our students in Chi Alpha were talking, so I walked over to say hello. There was a new student there, and so the typical question was asked, where are you from? I was blown away to find out that this new new student was in Saudi Arabia four days ago. He says, I don't know if you know this, but it's illegal to be a Christian, not to mention being a missionary in Saudi Arabia. She was a Muslim and had never been in a church. What a miracle she was even in a church. He goes on, the message spoke to her greatly and she told one of her students she raised her hand when our pastor asked for a response for salvation. Come on. He said, Minot State's Chi Alpha mission statement is to make disciples that make disciples. This student was invited by William, who comes every week with Leahy, one of our small group leaders. Leahy was brought in by Derek last year. Reproduction is starting to happen for the glory of God. And I just want to say this, that anybody who has given a dime to kingdom builders is a part of that story. It's a part of that story. We scholarship kids and youth to go to camp and convention who can't afford it. We invest in Brimwood and Iowa Foster Care and the Des Moines Dream Center and will continue to leverage our influence for the next generation and resource future Christian leaders through Kingdom Builders. The third category in Kingdom Builders is global missions. This is our effort to reach the uttermost parts of the earth. Every single week we pray for specific countries. And in that prayer time we're praying for unreached people groups. 
When it comes to those who are lost, there are three different categories. The first category are those who are unsaved, right? And these are people who may or may not have access or have had the opportunity to respond to the gospel. The next layer is unreached. Unreached is an individual who has no access to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and make an intelligible decision for or against following Jesus. An individual who has no access to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and make an intelligible decision for or against following Jesus. So every week we talk about unreached people groups. And some of you are like, what in the world is an unreached people group? An unreached people group is an identifiable group of people distinguished by a distinct culture, language, or social class who lack a community of Christians able to evangelize them without help. Their only opportunity to hear about Jesus is through an external witness. So you've got unsaved, you have unreached, and then a third category would be unengaged. Unengaged means there's no church, no missions agency, no one has yet taken responsibility to tell them about Jesus. Finishing the task says that there are 639 unengaged people groups with populations over 100,000 people, totaling 535 million souls that are still beyond the reach of the gospel. These 639 people groups are perhaps the neediest of the needy as they're unengaged, which means there's no church, no missions agency, no one has yet taken responsibility to tell them about Jesus. So watch this. If God is real, if he defines truth, if his word is true, it should move us. It should move us. And it does. It moves us to give sacrificially to global missions. And I just want to tell you that we take the responsibility of stewarding the resources that have been given to kingdom builders very seriously. We vet each and every strategic partner to make sure that, they, that what they say and that you're giving makes the biggest impact. We purposely prioritize on a monthly basis supporting missionaries at a higher level that are, in, are ministering to unreached people groups. We partner with organizations like Meals from the Heartland and Convoy of Hope that are not only meeting the tangible needs of people, but are also partnering that with meeting the spiritual needs, and the two work in tandem. I was on a phone call with a missionary named Mark Renfro a couple of weeks ago, and he said, feeding people is good. It really is. But if all we do is feed people and we don't focus on sharing the gospel, we are only sending full-stomached people to hell. This is why we partner with organizations who do both. To effectively reach more people, we're gonna have to raise up missionaries, pastors, and evangelists. And so we partner with an organization called Priority One to build Bible schools in developing nations around the world. We partner with organizations like Worldwide Village in Haiti to share the gospel, to feed kids, to educate them, and empower them for life change. We partner with an organization called Project Rescue to rescue people out of sex trafficking. One of the reasons why we partner with them is because of their gospel-centered approach. Mark Renfro said something else in this same phone call about this, which was like a gut punch. He said, if all we do is rescue people from sex slavery and not share the gospel, we've only given them the illusion of freedom only to still be held in slavery by the devil for eternity. Kingdom Builders is about helping all people, all nations, all generations experience 
experience true freedom only found in Jesus. I want to show you a map on the screen with people groups on it. This is found on a website called joshuaproject.net, joshuaproject.net. It's an amazing resource of uh, missions-related material. As you look at it, all the dots on the map reveal something. The dark green illustrates significantly reached people. The light green is partially reached, yellow is superficially reached, orange is minimally reached, and red is unreached. And I think it's clear in looking at this map that the work isn't finished. If God is real, if he defines truth, if his word is true, the reality that hundreds of millions of people represented in the areas with the red dots are destined to hell should drive us to our knees in prayer. Should cause us to give sacrificially and should cause us to lift up our hands to volunteer to go. The task isn't finished locally and it isn't finished globally. And while the task is great, we don't retreat, right? We engage. We obediently do our part. And so this year, we've set a goal to raise $350,000 through Kingdom Builders to fund global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders because we believe that God is real, that he defines truth, and that his word is true. And so we want to play our part in ushering in the end-time revival. We want to see God's kingdom come. I want to show you a video in just a moment of a missionary family whose, uh, whose heart really demonstrates the heart of the missionaries that we currently support. The video gives a glimpse into the story of Stan, his wife Anne, and their children, Ella and Stanley, and their dedication to following God no matter what the cost. Let's take a look at that video. Our desire when it came to missions has always been to be somewhere where there wasn't somebody already there doing something, to go into a no man's land spiritually, a no man's land politically. But we didn't know of anybody that was working in Iran and Iraq and Syria and Turkey, an area riddled with terrorism and people that were lonely and hurting and longing for God. We had an opportunity to build a bridge and to love on them. And it just fulfilled every sense I'd ever had as a kid. God has showed up in miraculous ways, and yet it did nothing that we could see to move Turks towards Christ. Nobody came to us and said, tell us more about this Jesus, as if it never happened. God very gently asked us, are you really ready to make a sacrifice to reach Muslims? And falling down flat on my face and saying, God, whatever you want. When this popped up, we realized immediately what the sacrifice was. And we were cool with it. My Muslim brothers are weeping over my sickness. My heart is that our churches would weep over their lostness. These are people that deserve to be reached. These are people that deserve our, our agony and our effort because they are truly loved of God. To die with a godly courage and with godly peace in front of these people and show them that there is another way of living. There's another way of dying.
said, my Muslim brothers are weeping over my sickness. I just wish that the church would weep over their lostness. This wrecks me. He says, these are people who deserve to be reached because they are loved by God. His family left the comfort of Southern California to move to Turkey to do this. And then when he was diagnosed with cancer, determined that he would live or die in front of his Muslim brothers. There's a book written about it called Dying Out Loud, if any of you want to read it. It's a powerful, powerful story. And church, I'm just telling you, if God is real, if he determines truth, and his word is true, every red and orange dot on that map should do something to us. Is it represents people who not one time have heard the name of Jesus. This year we're gonna do our part. We're gonna fast and pray and we're gonna weep over the lostness of people locally and around the world. The past two years the messaging has been to isolate and to keep distant and to only look at the here and now and look after us. And I'll just tell you that I'm grateful for every effort that's been made in trying to help all of us get through this. But if we're not careful, we'll settle into this line of thinking and forget about the rest of the world. And in many ways, going to all the world has taken a back seat. And we need to make sure that it gets moved to the forefront. There are missionaries who have been mobilized to go. And in a history, like in a time like this, there are people who are there. And so we're gonna do our part to make sure that financially they can stay there. In addition, we're gonna take action. We're gonna boldly proclaim Christ to those around us. And finally, we're gonna invest financially in global missions, local church expansion, and future Christian leaders through Kingdom Builders. And I want all of us to do something. So we're gonna talk about Kingdom Builders every week. And we'll fund projects as resources come in and we'll mobilize kingdom workers for kingdom purposes until he comes. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room? We do this because God is real. He determines truth and his word is true. And his word has given a very clear path to salvation this morning, maybe there are some of you who've tried to be your own God. You've tried to look within yourself to determine uh, your religion and morality and the difference between right and wrong. And you say, it's not been working for you. And I'm tired of being my own God. Instead, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior this morning. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. Hands up all over. One, two, three. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Let's stand all across this room.
there were at least three hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God's going to take you on. I want to pray over us this morning. Prayer team's going to move forward in just a moment. We want to, we leave time at the end of every service that if people have come in needing prayer for anything, that they can come forward and somebody will join you in prayer this morning. But let's pray. I'm going to pray. Prayer team's gonna come forward. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song. And as they do, feel free to step out from your seat this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that we're able to be a part of a church that has your heart. A heart that doesn't just beat for what's around us, but instead beats for those around the world. The Cedar Valley, the United States, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So God, this morning we confess that you're real that you determine truth and that your word is true. And so we make a commitment with that to do all that we can to help advance your gospel right here in our community and around the world. Lord, I pray that this would be a year where we would see more people get saved in our church than ever before. God, I pray that as we talk about a statistic of 12,000 people within a 10-mile radius of our church, that there wouldn't just be a dent made in that number, but there would be an explosion, that literally thousands of people who don't go to church around our church would start going to church and find you as their personal Lord and Savior. God, we pray that the $350,000 goal that we set to fund global missions and local church expansion and future Christian leaders will look like peanuts compared to what comes in by the end of the year because we take your word seriously. God, I pray that even in this room that you would raise up people who not only pray for the unreached and the unengaged around the world, who not only give towards it, but who would raise their hands and volunteer to go. God, we pray that you would send a revival to our community, to our nation, and to our world. And Lord, we'll just give you praise, and we thank you for letting us be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.